Thursday, February the 27th. It's going to be right after the service. And what's going to be happening is we're going to go to the Muncie Mission, uh, and we're going to serve a meal to the men that, um, that live there. And um, if there's three different ways that you can serve. You can provide a dessert for that. Um, if that's not your cup of tea, you can help serve the meal. Or you can help clean up afterwards, too. So three different ways that um, we could use your help. And, again, if you need any information or are interested in coming, you need to contact Kathy. And her information is in this program. And she would love to hear from you. Okay. Um, next up. We want to tell all of you thank you for the bag hunger that happens this month. We want you to know that we collected 325 food items. So please give yourselves a round of applause. The great thing about um, this month's bag hunger is that we are going to be using this for the neighbor to neighbor campaign. What this is is our children and the families and the children's families are going to um, be going on February, Saturday, February the 19th to two different apartment buildings and going to be delivering food baskets. Um, so it's for our children ages 3 to 18. So if you're interested in signing up or have any questions um, at the connections table in the back, you can sign up. They'd also be happy to answer any questions about this too. So um, we'd love to have you. Okay. Um, there's tons and tons more of announcements and good information in the program, so make sure that you read that as well. Um, right now, we're going to be um, collecting an offering, if our ushers could come on forward. Um, the offering is for um, people that have um, partnered with the JAR or are learning how to give. So if you're new here, please don't, feel, please don't um, think that we, you need to give your money today. We just want your Connect card. So what you filled out, just, you could just drop that in the bags as it coming by. That would be wonderful. Okay? You could just join me now. I'd like to say a little prayer for our offering. Okay? Father, thank you so much for um, bringing us all here today. And thank you so much for, um, for Chris and for his message and your message and that you just open our hearts and our minds to what you want us to hear today. I ask you that um, just be with, um, bless this offering, um, let it multiply as it hits the bags, and um, be with the leaders as we um, figure out ways to um, use it to best serve your community. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Stephanie. Um, imagine that you're single and uh, you've decided to go on one of the dating websites. Uh, maybe you've gone on... Uh, eHarmony or Match.com or something like that. And you put all of your information in and uh, you're kind of uh, interested in a couple of people that pop up. And uh, so you contact them via the email and you go ahead and uh, you put their uh, names down. And you get a date together that you're going to meet each other. A single woman in our church uh, recently... Uh, was uh, sharing with me that uh, she had done this a couple of weeks ago. And she met this guy uh, at a restaurant, and uh, they kind of exchanged pleasantries, surface information, and uh, talked about their occupation, their family, views ups and downs in their lives. And... Then all of a sudden, he said this. 
Have you heard about Planet X and the world is ending in 2012? And then he went on to explain that the Blessed Mother warns us of Earth, that it changes with the two suns coming in the sky, the Mayan calendar ends, Planet X returns, the Milky Way aligns with the Earth and Sun and all on December 21st, 2012. You're in trouble, folks. You only got a couple years left. If you look at a website called uh, www.2012warning.com, it says 9-11 started it, then Katrina, mega earthquakes, active volcanoes, massive oil spills, increased natural disaster. The countdown has begun. The world is going to end on December 21st, 2012. And she said that as she's listening to all of this, he said... But don't worry, because I am a real man, and you can survive if you come with me. Well, needless to say, there wasn't a second date. (laughs) Many people have a fascination with the end of the world. I just don't think it's a very good first date conversation piece, you know? So if you're single and you've been looking for pickup lines, don't start with that one. You know, you'll already be better. But I think all of us, regardless of who you are, if you're sitting here today and you're a human being, which we think all of you are, except that guy may think some of you are aliens, um, but we all have this kind of thought that when is the human story going to end? When is it going to just stop? And part of this fascination has hit the marketplace. Some of you may remember the book that's been out for the last couple of years called Left Behind. And in the Left Behind series, they've sold over 65 million copies because people have an interest. There's a peaking of their interest to when the world is going to end. And today people talk a lot about Uh, Things like an environmental holocaust. That with global warming, that there's going to be a hole in the ozone later. And uh, it's going to like burn through the clouds. And you're going to disappear. We're all just going to fry one day, folks. I mean, inquiring minds really want to know, when is the final act of this human drama? When's it going to end? Now, if you look at the Bible... Honestly and objectively, you need to kind of sit down and fasten your seatbelts. I mean, because the thing that God is going to do is truly outside the box. It's outside the box kind of stuff. There's going to be an end, and it's not, nothing's ever going to compare with what's going to happen in the closing ceremony that God has planned for the human race. If you think creation was something, if you think the flood was something, if you think Justin Bieber's movie this week was something, (laughs) you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, there is going to be something that comes that is going to be blind, 
uh, is going to kind of blow the minds of every person. The Bible describes it this way. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Now, many of you consider yourselves creative types. You're artists. You have great ideas of putting things together. You could spend a hundred lifetimes trying to prepare what the climax at the end of the world is going to look like, and you would not even come close. In fact, this scripture says that you won't come within a country mile of what God is going to do on that last day. So for the rest of our time together, what I'd like us to do is to look at the big picture of this end-time thinking. And the way that we're going to do this is by giving you four words. All of them start with the letter R, so hopefully that will help you remember this after you leave. And here's the first word. It's the word return. Return. That Christ is going to return. The Scriptures say again and again that Jesus Christ is going to return. Make no mistake about it, it's going to happen. Jesus will come back to earth. 1 Thessalonians 4 says this, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. In this next passage, uh, Jesus comes to his disciples one day, and he says, hey guys, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And this is what he says. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll be back. <laughs> Little Arnold Terminator there, okay? I will be back. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And then one more in Acts chapter 1. Here's a couple of uh, guys that are talking, and angels come to them, and they ask them, why are you looking into the sky? Because Jesus has just ascended. And the angels say this, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Okay, here's a summarization statement. And it's this. There is no argument among any Christian theologians, whether they're very fundamental, or they're very liberal. There's no argument on this point. And the point is this. They all believe that Jesus is going to return. That the Bible is very clear that He's going to return. The question is, when? You mean to tell you? I am. Jesus answers this with blind clarity of when this is going to happen. Jesus says this, No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven. And let's read these next three words. Nor the Son, but only the Father. 
You talk about privileged information. I mean, even Jesus Himself doesn't know when He's coming back. I mean, His security clearance wasn't high enough, I guess, you know? He doesn't even know when this is going to take place. So when a new book comes out or a new person blogs and announces that they've got it figured out, they know when Jesus is going to return, please handle this information the way that I have over the years. And it's like this. If God didn't reveal it to Jesus, and He said He hasn't, if Jesus doesn't even know, He certainly is not going to reveal it to that dipstick. I mean, you should be skeptical, folks, every time you read anything about Tom, Dick, or Larry, or Harry, or Jerry, or whatever the Y is on their name, that I know! Because they don't know. I mean, it wasn't revealed to Jesus, folks. It's not going to be revealed to Joe Blow. You okay? You got that? Now, here's another question. Where? Where's this going to happen? Now, folks, Muncie and Delaware County have been hit big time with a lot of bad economics over the last few years. And so, I don't know about you, but I think that we should be one of the candidates, you know, for Jesus to simply return back here. How many agree? Yeah. There's like one person back there not raising their hand. Couldn't you imagine Jesus comes right now? Boom! Why didn't you raise your hand? People start freaking out. Now, if you look carefully at the Bible, it says, At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. That means the people that weren't ready, and I'll get to that in a second. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. Now folks, this is going to be a one-time, one-world event. No one is going to miss this event. You can trust me. I mean, it isn't going to be like people are singing around there like, oh man, you know what? I, I missed it. It's not going to happen. The Scripture says this, the skies will split, the sun will go dark, the stars will fall from the skies. It talks about this triumphant archangel. I don't even know what archangels do. But whatever they do, they're going to do it that day. This is going to be the single most amazing, greatest display of power in the history of the world. This is going to be God totally out of the box. And nothing, absolutely nothing, will ever compare with it. It will be shocking. It will be all-consuming. A few years ago, uh, I had the chance to uh, go to Baltimore, Maryland over the 4th of July. And Baltimore has one of the largest and best firework displays uh, on the 4th of July out of any city really in the world. 
Now, usually, I spend the 4th of July at the bunch house, where if you have four, four sparklers up in the air, everyone's going, woo-hoo, you know? But I'm sitting there on this particular day watching the Chesapeake Bay just become this one huge light show in the air. And I was thinking about it this week, that whatever the greatest fireworks display you've ever been a part of before, you take that times a million, and you might just begin to start to see what God has in store for the return of His Son. I mean, everyone who is alive is going to look at each other and say, this is the end of the world. Like, I know this. There's not a doubt in my mind. It's going down right now. Jesus Christ will return. Here's the second thing. In the big picture of this end times thinking, we want to talk about resurrection. The resurrection life. The resurrection life. Now hang tight with me just for a couple of minutes here. Folks, God is the creator of all life. He created Adam and Eve. He created the animal planet. He created the plant world. God loves life. When He describes it to His followers, He says... I just don't want you guys to experience any kind of life. Jesus said, I want you to experience life to its fullest. Life in all its fullness. It's kind of life on steroids. Life that is really amped up. Folks, no one is more pro-life than God. Now you might remember that death was introduced into the human story only when sin came. Only when human beings decided that they could be a better God than God Himself. But God has always hated death. He hates the sight of it. He hates the sound of it. He hates the smell of it. God hates death. In fact... He said, right in the middle of his ten biggest rules, right in the middle of that, he says, don't kill. Don't kill anybody. I don't want you to ever kill anyone. Because I love life. There is nothing that God hates more than death. He hates it. There is nothing about death that God likes. And God is not the author of death. Now, when Jesus died, He took the death penalty for all of us so that all of our sins could be wiped away and we could live. And when this happened, when Jesus was on the cross and He died, do you remember what happened right after His death? It says that the heavens and the earth shook. The sun went dark. The rocks split. The earth shook. God hates death. So when Jesus returns triumphantly, what is going to happen is the first thing that's going to happen is there's this massive worldwide 
resurrection. Life to everybody. All dead people will come out of the ground. The scripture says this. There will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So there's going to be like billions of people who are dead in the ground that will come up. And then people who are cremated, I don't know how that happens, but all of a sudden their body's going to come together. And then people who were killed in the seas because of wars or whatever, all of a sudden their bodies are going to come up. And again, how does this happen with people who have been dust for like millions, well maybe not millions, thousands of years? And what about people who are blown up in war? How's that all going to work? You mean to tell you the words of a great theologian? Chris Bunch? I don't have a clue. I don't. I don't have any idea how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. There is going to be this universal resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, both good and bad people. They're all going to come back to life. Well, this leads to our next star, and that is reckoning. The day of reckoning. The Bible says this, And just as it is appointed for people to die once, in other words, folks, you don't get a do-over. Reincarnation is bad theology. It doesn't exist. Plus, why would you want to come back to be an animal anyways? You know what I mean? People just look at you weird all the time. Nobody wants to do that. So you only live once. You only die once. You die once, and after this, judgment. Once everyone is resurrected, everyone has a personal meeting with their Maker. Country artists, music, uh, musicians, uh, they have songs about this all the time, don't they? I mean, you, you never hear country artist folks talk about death. They talk about meeting your maker. And if you're a country fan, I'm a little bit of a country fan, that's where Christian theology and country come together. They're right on this. Everyone who's ever lived is going to stand before their maker. Now, human beings try to do everything under their power, under their thought life, to convince themselves, to deceive themselves, into thinking that they're never going to have to be accountable for anything. That they will not have to show an account of their life. They're never going to have to answer for their choices, their prejudices, their greed, their lust, their violence. But listen to what Jesus himself says is going to happen on this day of reckoning. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered. Did you hear that? All the nations. In other words, no one's going to slip through the cracks on this day. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Again, all the nations, folks. It includes everyone. 
Every single person is going to have a personal meeting with the holy God. Let's continue on. He says, then he will say to those on his left. And these next three words are difficult words for me to say, but Jesus says it. Depart from me. Probably the three most terrifying words in the Bible. Depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, Hang with me here. The Bible says that God does something that is totally uncool in our society. God actually judges people. He judges their hearts. He judges what they believe. He judges their behavior. And folks, this is outside the box. Because if we could have the God in the box, we'd say, God, you just love, never judge, we'll just keep you inside the box. But he says, no, you can't keep me in a box. I will judge. I mean, in today's society, one of the highest values that we have is tolerance. I mean, the last thing you want to be known for is being an intolerant person. I mean, if you want to ever, like, lose your hopes of being cool and hip, just start telling people what is right and what is wrong. Or judging someone's beliefs or someone's behavior. This is not cool. And yet, if pornographers show men raping little girls, we just let it pass. Because we don't want to judge. If movie makers uh, slow the frame sequencing down so much into the viewing public that the full effect of blood and brains falls right on our screens as people are getting murdered, we say, it's okay, that's just entertainment. If CEOs profit from sweatshops and child labor, we call that business. If politicians take bribes, we just call that politics. And if someone spins the truth a little bit or they use God's name in vain or they curse God out or they don't pay their bills, whatever you do, folks, don't judge them. But there's a day coming, the Bible says, that it may not be as cool or PC, politically correct, to be so tolerant of everything because one day a holy God will judge. You see, on the day of reckoning, God simply says to people who have blown them, 
blown him off their whole lives, you can spend eternity apart from me. People who their whole lives have come to God and they said, depart from me, God. I don't want your love. I don't want your forgiveness. I don't want your grace. I don't want anything that you can give to me. Depart from me, God. On the day of reckoning, God will say, okay, have it your way. That's the way you've wanted it your whole life while you were here in this reality called earth. And so you can have that. It's your choice. You can have that for your eternity for the next reality. It makes no sense to me whatsoever when people come up and they'll say that God sends people to hell. I don't think that's a fair assessment of God. Because what actually happens on the day of reckoning is that God simply allows the continuation of the way that people choose to live their life on earth all the way into that next eternity. People who've said, depart from me the whole time that they've lived here on earth, God says, well, you can now depart from me. You see, the problem is that people who are depart from me type of people, they have a mindset that they don't quite get that there is going to be another reality. God's presence will be totally departed from the place that the Bible calls hell. Now hang with me here just for a second. I know it's heavy. You see, in this broken world, in this messed up world, there is a thing called common grace. Where there is a good God, and this good God is holding back the evil that could ransack the entire world at any time. God is holding it back. But in the next reality, God is going to say, okay, I'm done holding back evil, and when people get into that evil place, I don't have any presence there whatsoever. And folks... You talk about a nightmare, that's a nightmare. Now folks, I don't have time to paint uh, a picture of what hell is going to be like. I just want to say this, it's not the outcome that you want. For your life, for the people that you care about, for the people that you love. It will be heartbreaking for you and for the people who love you, and for the people that you love. And most of all, and people don't realize this, but God's heart actually begins to break. Because He loves His creations. He wants you to be children of Him. It's heartbreaking for Him because He took His one and only Son, the thing that He loved the most, and He allowed His blood to be spilt for all of our sins so that we could have life now and life for eternity. Just don't let that be your fate. You have a choice. So that's part one of the Day of Reckoning. And I can tell some of you right now are like, let's go to the second part. 
But basically, he says, you didn't want anything to do with me while you were here on earth, and you don't have to have anything to do with me for eternity. But there's another group, and this is what God says. He says this, come. It's an invitation. He says, come right to me. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes, and clothe you? When did we see you sick, or in prison, and go to visit you? Then the king, I love that part, then the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, what is actually going on here? What is God saying? God says, I saw what you did in your life. I've been watching. And I saw when you said, I don't want to do that depart from me thing anymore. I don't want to do that. I saw the day that you finally said, I don't want to do that depart from me thing. What I want is, I want to live with you and I want to live for you. You opened up your heart to Jesus as Lord. You admitted your rebellion. You you, uh, received grace. And slowly but surely, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you didn't just receive Christianity, but you actually started to walk it out, to live it out. And God says, I see that. So you can come and be with me. Come with me. Which leads us to our final R, and that is reunion. Folks, there is going to be, not just any reunion, the reunion. Celebrating the reunion. You know, I love family reunions. I love the food, I love the fun, I even love the fights. Those usually happen when we go to my wife's side of the family, but (laughs) seriously though, I love family reunions. In fact, when I hear that word reunion, I have this image of my family with this huge spread of food, and everyone's eating together, and we're having conversations with the people that we love the most. And we're sitting in lawn chairs and the sun is shining and you're talking with the people who are around you and there is just this whole day that is filled with joy. Now when Jesus first told his disciples that he was going to depart from them, he was going to leave to go be with his father for a while, they were heartbroken. They were like, bad idea Jesus, don't leave us. Now, why do you think they had those thoughts? Because they loved Him. And they enjoyed this sense of community. And they wanted to keep the band together. 
And so every time Jesus said, I've got to go, they would come up to him and they'd say, no, don't go. Let's keep the band together. Don't leave Jesus. And then one day Jesus said, well, I know what you think, but the Father says I need to go, so I am leaving, but I'm coming back. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples would just look up into heaven every day. They'd wake up in the morning and they would just look to the sky. Now, why do you think they did that? They wanted the band back together. It wasn't the same without Jesus in the middle of their midst. Now listen to me closely, and I'm making a a point here. When serious-minded Christ followers begin to start thinking of the end of the world, they don't waste their time looking at charts and websites that say the end 2012 and timelines and all that kind of stuff. Serious-minded followers of Christ imagine what kind of reunion there is going to be five minutes after Christ returns. They start thinking that I am going to be united with the one who I have prayed to for one year, five years, 15 years, 25 years, 50 years. I finally get a chance to actually sit down and eat a meal with the person who I've been praying to at every meal for my entire life. I actually get to sit down and eat with them now. And sensitive mind followers of Christ think more about that than being anything else that's going to happen. They think about being reunited with their loved ones who've gone before. This week, my oldest daughter Jordan and I, uh, we uh, had enough time on Monday, it was good, and so uh, we had a picture here of us uh, building a snowman. There he is. His name's Frosty. How original. But But we were together and we started building this. And I I was away from the snowman for a while. And I just kind of looked and I don't know, it was just like one of those moments where I thought, man, my Uncle Phil loved getting pictures from us. And he died a year ago. And I was just kind of watching Jordan do everything with that, and all of a sudden, it just kind of hit me. Even though Jordan and Shiloh will never remember Uncle Phil, there'll be a day in which they'll be reunited with him. And they can pull out all the pictures of all the snowmen that they've ever had, And he can just kind of sit there and celebrate looking at every single picture. I was talking to a woman recently who lost her husband, and she was grieving big time, which you can imagine. And in the midst of our conversation, in in the midst of tears, I just finally said, but isn't it going to be great one day when you guys are reunited? And all of a sudden, the tears kind of stopped and she just started to smile. 
You see, you could see, folks, that she got and understood the four R's. That He's going to return, there's going to be a resurrection of the bodies, that there's going to be a day of reckoning, but most of all, there'll be a reunion with everyone who's gone before. Now, I know some Christians, and embarrassingly enough, some pastors, all they do is spend all their energy and effort on the day of reckoning. And how bad hell is. And you better turn or burn. Or whatever that is. But I'm not so fascinated with that as I am about the reunion. So much so that I was fascinated about this. um, That uh, one day I was out golfing with a buddy of mine uh, who I had been kind of trying to direct towards God for uh, about nine years. He had no interest whatsoever. And one day we're, we're golfing and I kind of just felt this prompting that I should say something about this. And so I turned to him and I said, well, where are you at with Jesus? Where are you at with Christ? And he said, I don't know. And then he kind of gave me this look of, I don't care. And he added to me, he said, but man, I really enjoy taking a nice warm bath on Sunday mornings. And it was just like, slam conversation's done. Well, you fast forward a couple of years, and I get a phone call from this same guy that we golf and we hang out together, and he tells me, hey, my mom's really sick. She's terminal with cancer. Can you come over and can you, uh, can you meet together? And so I went over. His mom was a believer. We talked. We prayed together, and we were done, and we're getting ready to walk out and we get out to the driveway, and we start walking. And all of a sudden, I felt this prompting from the Holy Spirit that I thought, He's not going to be a part of the reunion. He's not going to be in heaven. And this is a guy that I love. We golf together. We play basketball together. We've gone to games together. And I just felt this prompting that I needed to say something. And I was thinking to myself, God, if I do that, that's going to redefine weirdness. You know? Because his mom's in there. She's close to death. This isn't the time, God. And I just felt this prompting that I need to do this. And so I finally said, I said, Hey, Kenny, I love you like a brother. I've been trying to kind of direct you in faith. And I can't imagine heaven without you. And unlike the look that I got on the golf course that was kind of like, well, you've been smoking, preacher boy, you know. (laughs) This time he said, I'm ready. And since that time, Kenny has grown by leaps and bounds in his faith. But if you were to ask him today, what was one of the most significant moments that brought you into a relationship with Jesus Christ? He would say, there are two. One on a golf course where I was at a depart from me kind of place. And one time in which Chris said, don't miss heaven. Let's do heaven together. 
Now, this is why I bring up this whole reunion deal, and it's this. We have the privilege, folks, of walking in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our community every single day and being able to say, hey, there is an incredible reunion that is taking place. You can be a part of it right now. You don't have to earn your way there. You just have to make your peace with God. You just have to stop and depart from the way of the depart from me kind of thinking and receive God's grace and His love and you can be a part of the reunion. And folks, this is what's going to happen on the first day of the reunion. The Bible says, look, the home of God is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will remove all of their sorrows and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for the world, for the old world and its evils are gone forever. Today we're going to celebrate communion. There are four tables that are around us. These aren't my tables. These aren't the jars tables. These are Jesus' tables. And each time that we celebrate communion, what it is is a time of us to remember what Christ has done for us. But today, what I want you to think about is not only what He's already done, but the anticipation that one day we're all going to be around this huge table. It's going to be huge because there's going to be billions of people. And we're all going to be eating this meal together, but Jesus Himself in physical form is going to be there. And I realize that there are some of you who are sitting here today and you are at a depart from me kind of place. And I just want you to know it doesn't have to be that way. Today is a day in which you can say, I want to turn away from the depart from God kind of thing and I want to return to Him. And the tables are open for you if you're there. For others of you, you know Jesus. You've done all the formal stuff. You've said the prayer. You've got baptized. You know, whatever that is. But the reality is you haven't really said all in. And I don't understand that. But to say, capture my heart, God. You can have it all. Own everything. Own my house. Own my car. Own anything that you want. But today could be your day where you say, you know what? I'm not casual Christian anymore. I'm all in. So if you're at either one of those places, or maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I'm all in. Well, if you're all in, then what you need to say is, Holy Spirit, come and fill me to the fullest. But I invite you to go to each of these tables. And when you go, I invite you to just take a piece of the bread and you'll tear it off and you'll dip it into the juice and you'll eat. And there's nothing miraculous about the bread or the cup that is at each of these tables. But what is miraculous is that He forgives every single thing that has ever happened in your life today. 
And he wants to renew you and take your heart. There's an ultimate reunion, folks. You don't want to miss it. And we're just going to... You know what the tables are today? Appetizers. Just a little appetizer. Some of you are like, I ain't never had an appetizer. Well, today's your day. But one day, we'll sit for eternity upon eternity upon eternity. And you don't want to miss the family reunion, folks. So after you've done that, I just invite you to uh, come back to your seat. And uh, Isaac and the band, or uh, Isaac, Derek and the band. Love you, Derek. See, that's the thing that's going to be so great about this reunion, folks. You won't have to worry about names. There's only one name in heaven that will matter. And it won't be Derek. It won't be Chris. It'll be Jesus himself. Only name that will matter. So I'd like you to uh, go ahead and just spend some time. What is it in your life that is a depart from me kind of thing? Just get rid of that and receive God. Now, just kind of lead us in a prayer. And then you can go to these tables whenever you want. Let's pray. God, we've been filled with your truth of what's going to happen in the end times. God, I have no idea. It might be a thousand years from now or a thousand years after that. I guess, God, it it could even be at dinner tonight. But God, I want everyone in this room who's here to be ready. Because I love them, God. So I pray right now that you would move in the lives of each person here. Move in their lives so that their depart from me signs could just be torn down today. And that you would crash into their lives with your Holy Spirit and convict them to say, that's the wrong road. Don't go down anymore. God, humble us all to the point today to step out and to meet you and to commit to you and to say, see and taste. The Lord really is good. And he has a reunion for us that will be forever. So God, help us to come to these tables with open hearts. You who are a Messiah, our anointed one, the one who chose to come and who will choose to come again. Come into our life so that on the day of reckoning, God, we would hear you say, come with me forever.
no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself carried the cross oh, so amazing I'm so amazing Jesus Messiah
gonna. Uh, I don't know how you do this, Derek, but that that thing, you know, uh, where it says, uh, uh, I don't know, in the chorus, uh, I don't even know what the words say now. I feel dumb. Uh, all, all my hope is in you. That's it. All my hope is in you. You don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> but we're going to sing that just again, just kind of lead that in. And then uh, Derek will kind of release this. But uh, I don't even know if you can. Can you do that? We can. Okay. If not, Isaac yeah, could do it. So. <laughs> but when we do this, I just want you to take a moment right now to just experience the fullness of God, and just a taste of what heaven will be like. So go ahead, guys, and then we'll play out. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on up.